Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Shippel. And that is Steve Jones. And today on the podcast, we have a band called Sunseeker out of Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee, all the way over here in the good old Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice day in San Francisco right now that we're recording this uh, outside the Independent. Yeah, yeah. We are uh, right outside of the Independent, just about a block away, uh, sitting in a parked car, um, paranoid. One of us is paranoid. One of us is paranoid. That that would be me. Uh, I'm paranoid for multiple reasons, actually, Steve. Oh, gosh, can okay. I, can I disclose to you my, my paranoia? I mean, let's start with the, one, the obvious one that I know, which is that we're in the... Uh, in you know, in a car in a two-hour parking zone with two hours and forty minutes uh, <laughs> to go until the uh, until it's all clear. So right, exactly. So um, so uh, you know, obviously we are uh, interviewing a band and seeing shows, right? Yes. So the thing is, uh, in this neighborhood, the parking doesn't end at six like it should. Usual, it yeah. Ends at eight. Yeah. So and there's a two-hour parking window. So the thing is, uh, we're early, and we want to make sure that we don't get a ticket. And so we, we, won't decided, be, we won't be moving the car. And we won't be moving the We don't want to move the car, yeah. because that would be a big pain in the ass. And then, uh, so we're sitting here in the car for the remaining 45 minutes or whatever, right. until, our two, until we have a two-hour window. And if we don't, yes. if the parking Nazi doesn't come by and, and, and you know, draw yeah, on, on your the tires, tires or with chalk or something, or whatever they do nowadays... You know, take a picture. They probably have apps for this kind of thing now. Yeah, they probably got drones they in still the sky. Use chalk? Yeah. <laughs> they don't need that. They, they got drones, right? Yeah, little parking Nazis. It's probably just drones. Yeah. You should really be worried. I am. I, yeah, I'm paranoid. <laughs> uh, you're even making me more paranoid here because now, by the time, you know, we only have two hours left and we can actually leave the car and go, um, I won't feel secure that we weren't tagged. Well,. And this is San Francisco. You know how much a parking ticket yeah. is around here? It's like $100. Right. Yeah, it'll be an expensive concert. But it will yeah. be cheaper than buying new tires. This is true. Which is what we've had to do before Yeah, that's, that's been necessary before. So That's what I've had to do. But you've had to pay for multiple broken I've, windows. Yeah, I've had several broken windows uh, that's on up. cars. So that's, so that's reason one. You have another reason. I do have paranoid. another reason to be for paranoid. And that's that I was specifically instructed by Mr. T, uh, Steve Jones not to rustle. And it's really, really hard for me not to wrestle right now because I know. Do you want to add context? Like, are, no. you, are you getting squirmy or is it? No, I'm not going to add any context. I'm just going to say it's really hard for me not to wrestle because A, I was told not to wrestle. B, I feel kind of fidgety and rustly anyway. Well, you've done great for the th first three minutes of the podcast so far. So you're well on your way to a wrestle-free podcast. A wrestle-free podcast. podcast. Well, yeah. I just want to say my little disclaimer is uh, if anybody, you know, wonders what that wrestling is during the show, it's me. But right. I, I'm just not aware of it. Yeah, no promises for when we bring uh, our guests into the podcast, whether there will be wrestling on the we podcast. We don't know yet if they are inherently Russell. wrestlers. They might be wrestling. They must, they, yeah, they might be, they might be rustlers, rustly, yes. some of them. It's how they do maybe, in Nashville, maybe not. right? You know, I heard they're uh, a rustly big, group over there. They're big in on, on wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> not, and then not to be confused with wrestling. Nobody knows what we're talking about, yeah, but you, yeah. will, you, you will, you will know what we're talking about. So stay tuned and let's let the suspension build, huh? Okay. 
Now, Jens, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've potted. It, you know, like I said before, a little bit of the slow season for concerts right now. We're trying to build up momentum, you know, but got other things going on too. So I'm trying to be really mindful, honestly, about uh, when I like not booking concerts on days that I have kids. That's something that that's a, and that's a challenge because that's usually the weekend. Right. So, right. so that's, that's a thing that eliminates half the week. I don't want to be dicking around the schedule when, uh, you know, unless there's a real reason to, like if it's a really good show that I can't miss sort of thing, you know, I'll, I'll ask for it, but I'm not going to be making that a habit. Right. Yeah. You shouldn't dick around anyway in general. This is true. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Good reason. Good words to live by. Um, so you have a story for the podcast and then I do. I thought that was my wrestling. Was that? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> oh, I do have another story. You do. Oh yeah, yeah. The wrestling was the. Uh, no, it was a minute. prelude. The parking Nazi was the prelude. The the, yes. the introduction, kind of the the. What do they call that? Like a. Like I mean, the I, opening I, act. I'd say a prelude. That's the prelude. Wor- that's the only word. word I got. That's so. the word. That's the, yeah. that's the word. Okay, prelude. Yeah. Okay, so uh, and then the wrestling just kind of happened, but the the actual story, is. Uh, was quite. God, here's I gotta find another word to describe this. Just surreal, I guess. Uh, okay. It was just surreal. So I, um, so this is something you lived, right? The uh, uh, the fires that we had here in California. I did. I lived through it. You lived, lived through it. You evacuated and yes. and all that shit, and you know there was devastation in the community that you lived in. Yes. Um, so I, living farther away, you know. Heard about it, saw a bunch of pictures, you know, and had some smoke videos, and uh, yeah, we had tons of smoke, um, but we didn't really, you know, see the devastation in person, you know, that it caused a little bit from the freeway, you know, driving up past Santa Rosa. But um, so, anyway, uh, we uh, got invited um, to a friend's house that lives, uh, this guy lives. Just outside of um, um, Santa Rosa, like in the countryside there. Okay. And uh, his house was one of, I think, three houses that did not burn down uh, in the community that he lives in. Wow. So he lives on a hill, and the entire hillside was just uh, wiped away. Uh, so the, the fires, they, they came over the hill, and then the wind shifted, and they... They just burned in, in the direction of his neighborhood and, um, you know, took most of the houses yeah. uh, with them. So so how long ago were the fires? I mean, that was wasn't... October. That was October, last October. So yeah. that's, what, three, four months ago? Yep. Um, so a lot has, has happened in those three or four months. So um, number one, the grass has grown back, right? So there's a lot more green um, than there was before. And, um, two, you know, crews have been in there, uh, clearing, you know, clearing stuff out. So what I saw, um, was just, I mean, it was just kind of this really surreal experience. Now here's our friend's house. It's, it's fine. It got smoke damaged. Yeah. So they had to do a lot of work to it, but I mean, the, the structure is, is fine. The trees around the house are completely charred and dead. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he has a little vineyard in the backyard. Um, it's really small, just kind of has it for fun. Um, gone, Is, right? Okay, the vineyard's gone. So um, some of the vines are going to grow back. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know how many of those. Uh, all the irrigation, you know, the, the wiring, all that stuff melted. Uh, and all the houses around his property 
gone. So you see, you see a driveway right. and you see dirt where the house used to be. Uh, the foundation is gone. They came in. They have to rip out. They have to rip out the foundation because it's not. There's no integrity there anymore. So they're gonna have to lift the house, or so the, I mean, the house. Yeah. Uh, so the neighbors. Um, I mean, you can't really tell yeah. where the house used to be. You can you can kind of guess where Oof. where it was because there's dirt there. Yeah. But I mean, the the foundation that the houses were on. They had to take out. Yeah. So um, there are some structures that were still there, like like the the chimneys. You know, like the chimneys were all still there. Yeah, yeah. So you could kind of tell maybe where the living room that's, was. And that's the thing, because yeah, like you're saying, the chimneys are the only things that that survive. Like everything else is gone. Not like, stone. We don't build houses with stone around here. So uh, so it everything is floored. You know, you know, ash. You know, cars burnt to crisp, still in their spot. And that's the thing. I mean, you've been to my house since the fires, uh, probably a couple of times now. But you, we haven't gone around the corner and you haven't seen, like, what's right, like, behind my house, you know, same sort of story, right? Which mm. I even it even took me a month or more to, you know, after the fires to go around to the other side, you know, of, of where I live and actually see all the devastation, everything flat, you know, just completely flat except for, you know, chimneys and t a couple of tables, you know, like metal tables that were are out were outside still standing, and but lots of ash. I mean, and it still smells like smoke. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely crazy. I mean, the temperatures in, in certain locations must have been unfathomable because right. you have you have things that are in a house that you would think you would see remnants of, mm -hmm. you know, like a refrigerator. You would think you would see I don't know, like the like the yeah, skeleton so. of the of a of a refrigerator or the compressor or something, right? But you don't. No, and, it's and just a pile of it, rubble and it's just melted yeah. stuff. It's it's yeah. nuts. I mean, I think really the only thing, the only consistent thing that I saw still standing, you know, were were automobiles. Right. Um where you still had the metal, you know, frame, frame. especially of old cars that were yeah, actually made out of metal. Melted tires. <laughs> melted tires. Yeah. 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 That kind of thing where the metal is so thick that it's still, you know, it's still there. Um, cast iron stoves, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, all the stuff that you buy nowadays, it's all cheap plastic. It's oh, just yeah. gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, washers and dryers, no sign of those. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, it was just really just awe, awing, you know, kind of like, I felt like there was a nuclear holocaust that I somehow didn't live through, like yeah. I was in a coma, you know, and I, and, and I was like, what just happened? Where was I? How did I, how, you know, how did I not experience this? It's kind of in my backyard and it's nuts. And, um, but you got the feeling like enough time went by where it was sort of a piece of history now because, um, you know, the flowers are blooming as, as and does, there's grass you know, everywhere. Life, you know? goes, life goes life on. Life goes on, yeah. For, for Not for some people, but for... Yeah, right. Yeah. I know. So that was that was like, whoa, that was crazy. Yeah. You just uh, got to pick up and continue you gotta on keep, and make yeah, the rest of it. Yeah, you got to keep on. You got to pick up and continue. I mean, some people are, are coming back uh, now that they've got the clearance in some neighborhoods to come back and, yeah. you know, rebuild or, you know, sell or whatever, you know, folks are going to do. With those I'm lots, just so fortunate that you know my house wasn't taken, and you know, and it would, and I don't own the house, so I, you know, I wouldn't have to deal with the insurance company really or any. I mean, I'd have to deal. I mean, I would, I guess, in terms of the things I lost, but as for in terms of the property, I wouldn't have to deal with that or anything. But I would have to 
you know, build a new life and new home for my family and, you know, my kids and my pets and in Napa, that, that shit ain't easy. Like, I mean, things are not cheap in Napa. It's not cheap to rent a, a yeah, place, or, place or buy a place even in Napa. I got a really good deal for where I'm at and I'm going to be there as long as I can. And, you know, as I'm saving up to eventually buy a house at some point, but, um, I mean, that would have changed things dramatically for, for me and my, you know, and my family and everything. And, Luckily, I have good friends who I'd be able to stay with as long as I need to as I'm getting on my feet and everything. But, and I, you know, and I was able to stay with, you know, a good friend who took me in for a week and a half as, you know, as I was displaced from my house. But, uh, but. Um, That's where friends and family really come yeah. in, you know. I mean, um, you know, maybe you have, have a kind of a better experience than I do about this. But, you know, there's this whole Sonoma Strong thing where so many communities right. have come together to help each other out and it's um i can't even imagine well that was a pick-me-up story there yeah i know uh, sorry <laughs> you know i sometimes i laugh because of the stories that we tell uh -huh. um and we try to do uplifting stuff but you know sometimes we have to talk about somebody right. who's just passed away you know and i i just realized that now that i'm done with my story how depressing that I'm, was i'm gonna you know <laughs> counter that with a pick pick me up story a, a little bit of you know talked for the past couple months of uh duck hunts and so Went out on the last hunt of the season last Wednesday. And okay, we're transitioning. We're from transitioning. Like losing we're picking their homes. it up. We're picking it up here. And, to uh, ducks losing their lives. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Killing ducks. Yes. <laughs> hey, this is positive. Okay. Oh my gosh. Let's hope music uh, news is more uplifting. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll have to see when we get there. So, uh, but I mean, it was this last hunt was so fun. It was pr one of my favorite hunts of the season that I went on. I probably went on. You know, eight or nine hunts this season um, with with friends, making videos and having a you know a great experience, learning a lot about the um, you know duck hunting and hunting in, in general, and um, and you know it's so invigorating to get out and be outdoors and um, and you know in the marsh and kind of in the thick of it. And even with even though I didn't have a gun, I had a freaking blast. Right, I'm not doing the hunting myself, but I'm having a great time here you know, learning and just being out with friends and in the outdoors and, you know, and take, you know, taking days off of work to just kind of have these experiences that are just so invigorating. And, uh, and so we, this last hunt of the season, I went out with my friend Joe and Chris and, um, and we took our kayaks out on the marsh and, uh, and, uh, kayaked out about a half a mile to this levee. Actually, it was the same spot. We, we, we did two, the same spot, two hunts in a row, um, one on Sunday and one on the following Wednesday. And, um, and this, and we just get down and kind of lay down blinds up on a levee after we put out, you know, a spread of decoy ducks in, in front of us and, um, and then wait for the ducks to come in and, you know, and they, you know, when they're, they're coming into our spread and are, you know, like 20 feet away or something, you know, blast, you know, um, blasting them. Right. Um, and so it was so much fun. Like, I mean, I was the hunting dog in this situation, to be honest, because like, I, uh, one of my friends would shoot a duck and then it, it might not die from that shot. It would be injured and on the water. And so I'd, you know, hop up really quickly and go grab the kayak, get out on the water and like be paddling and paddling and chasing this, you know, this duck down. And then one, this one duck, you know, got halfway across the marsh and this is open water at this point, you know, nowhere for it to go. Uh, it's not flying away. And, uh, and so I'm catching up to it. I'm like five or six feet away. And then the duck goes underwater. 
Oh. Uh, you know, and it's just, and I'm just like looking around. I'm like, where the fuck are you? Where, where are you? Where did it go? It's like, it's got to come up. It's got to right? come up. I'm, gonna, like, I'm waiting it out. I'm waiting it out. I'm, you know, looking around for like five minutes, right? Any direction. Duck was nowhere to be seen. And this isn't deep water. It's like 18 inches, you know, or, or something, right? Like how and, big is the dang duck? Can't be that big. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, there was like no, it's so, so frustrating. I mean, I've kind of been able to feel through that experience, like, I mean, it was work to get out there, you know, in the kayak and paddling my ass off and everything and, uh, to get this duck. Cause you don't want to, you don't want to lose a duck. And that's one of the thing with hunt, hunting is you want to catch it. You want to eat it. You want to do right by the animal and not waste it. Right. right. And, and so, you know, losing a, a duck, you're just like, you don't want it to be injured and just go off and something will eat it, but you don't want it to be in pain for longer than it needs to. Right. So, <laughs> So that happened, and then you know, get back on the the shore, uh, you know, up on the levee, you know, levee, and um, and it happened again. Like uh, you know, duck going down behind us. Uh, I get the kayak out. I go, and I have a headache. By the way, this is the first uh, hunt I've been where I have a migraine. I didn't have any Excedrin or anything, so it was off and on. And having shotguns blast in my ear oh, and paddling oh. hard in a kayak, not the best thing for a headache. So, uh, but but I'm having fun anyway. Was it the same duck? I know, right? No, no. Another duck went down, and and I, you know, I'm ca catching up to it, and and then lost it. And so then Joe grabbed a kayak, and I mean, because Chris was like, hey, "It's out there," or whatever. I couldn't see it, right? But Joe, Joe went, and he had a shotgun, so he had he found it, and he shot at it five like five times, and killed it, and and brought it back. And so I did work, and ended up. Uh, Joe ended up limiting, which uh, to limit is um, the most ducks you can shoot in one day is seven. Um, uh, and there's limits on different species as well within that seven. You can't have more than a certain number of different types of, uh, ducks, but, uh, some there's no limit, but, um, but seven's the number. So Joe limited with seven ducks probably by noon or so. Um, I mean, and we're, we're out there at like four 30 in the morning. Right. So, um, getting all set up and everything. And so he limited by noon and, uh, and then by one, it starts to rain. Right. Uh. And so it was, it was even fun in the rain, but until there were like no birds for like an hour straight, like nothing even coming in and we're just sitting in the rain and, and, uh, and Chris, Chris hit five. And so eventually I'm, you know, I'm starting to kind of nudge a little bit, like we should call it at this point. Right. You right. know, it's time to go. And eventually we did, um, with, you know, 12 birds between the two. And I walked away with three of the birds, uh, two of which, uh, I, uh, actually the last two breasts I ate today. So it was, uh, yeah, and that was the last bird. It was the last one for a, a while. So season is over. And uh, this past Friday, I took my hunter safety course. So I am now able to hunt myself and go out and get a shotgun. And um, and so I'm starting to look into that and see what I want to get. Um, so do you have to do like a certain number of hours at a range or something? Or like how do they? You don't have to, no. But, but yeah, I mean, you definitely, I mean, as far as ethics and everything, you should practice uh, before going out into the real world environment so yeah i will be uh, going out on a, a, a range and i will try and take some lessons because my friends who are in, in you know in kind of the hunters and starting to get into this themselves they grew up with this with their you know parents and everything their dads like hunting as kids they they had this kind of growing up i didn't so i'm kind of starting from the ground and working my way up so right. i have a learning curve right. that i'm kind of picking up on i take yeah. it very seriously and um 
you know, and safety is, you know, priority one always. Um, so, but I, I do have some learning to do as before next season. So. Interesting. Yeah. So. Well, that's going to be fun. I mean, that's going to, that's going to be a whole new experience for you. You know, even though you've done, um, you know, duck hunting for this season, it's going to be a whole new experience next year when you actually have a gun. I'll say so. And I, and I'm toying with the idea of doing uh deer season which comes before duck season but i'd I'd need a rifle as well to do that so we'll see we'll see how my learning goes over the coming months and i'll try not to bore the audience with stories but if that's my story you know it's what you get to hear so yeah so well uh, i mean i would think that maybe you should start with a bigger animal because they're easier to hit Okay. You know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Is that your, your theory? I'd start with elephants. Or okay. It's the largest animal. I'm headed to Africa and I'm going to shoot some elephants. Right? And then you can work every year, you can work your way down to a smaller animal until you get to duck. You're right. right. That's Those are pretty damn there, small. There's more action involved in duck hunting. Like, there's like more ducks out there that come around more. It's hard to, you know, hit, hit a deer and it's hard to get, you know, a, a buck in your you know, in your range actually like to where you, you see it. I mean, there's a lot of like just scoping out, like just sitting and looking back and forth and looking back and, you know, and, and, and you know, looking in your binoculars and everything, just kind of scoping and really, pl- you really plant yourself uh, with deer hunting as opposed to duck hunting where you wait for them to come and they're going to come if you are set up right. right? You should so. go on one of those whale watching tours and shoot whales. Okay. They, there was a I huge work on that. Seen a whale? It was a massive. Yeah, that would be a, a good pull. Yeah, Just start shooting in the be, water. Be eating blubber for for a month. <laughs> <laughs> what are we having today? Blubber. Right. Enjoy it, kids. <laughs> I had to buy uh, three hundred and forty-two fridges just to put all this blubber into. But I mean, that's as a kind of wind out the duck hunting story. I mean, that is one of the things that I think is really cool is actually being able to teach my daughter about the duck hunting, get, give her a kind of a respect for it as well. She's helped me clean one. She's eaten it, eaten duck a couple of times with, with me. I'll make it, you know, a certain way she likes it and, and she'll try it. You know, she'll, I teach her respect for the animal and that this is in kind of the work that went into this from, you know, my friend shooting it to me bringing it home and cleaning it and cooking it uh, you know, up and everything. And that this is not just food you get from the store. That's right? an excellent opportunity to educate so. kids on stuff like that, because there's so many children that grow up thinking, you know, these these things like money comes from an ATM, right? You know, like chickens. Oh, my, my daughter knows I never have any cash, so she knows it doesn't come from an ATM because I never have any cash on me. Yeah. Exactly. She yeah. has more cash in the house than I do, so yeah, it, it's uh, no joke. That is not even a joke. Like, oh my god, yeah. funny, serious. Yeah. Anyway, so you have these little minds, you know, of these kids, and they just they don't have any other context, so they just you know learn that that's where stuff comes from, but they don't really have a, a solid appreciation for, you know, what something really is. So yes, good for you. Well, let's, uh, let's carry on here. Let's bring in our guests, uh, and, uh, uh, and have a chat with Sunseeker. So, uh, as I said, we're at the independent in San Francisco where we are chatting with Sunseeker and, uh, we're going to bring them in. But before we do, we're going to play a song from their set at the independent. Uh, this is a song that they have a video for. It's called won't keep me up at night. Here it is. Hi, this is Ben. Hello, this is Rodrigo. Asher here. I am Alex, and together we are Sunseeker. And you're listening to Concert Pipeline.
Alex, Asher, Ben, and Rodrigo from Sunseeker. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Great. Very good. Oh, yeah. So well. Great. Sweet. Excellent. And so you guys, uh, first time in San Francisco for a lot of you, right? Like, tell me, tell me about it. Um, it's been beautiful so far. We uh, walked around, loved the architecture, loved the parks. It's, I have no complaints. Did you get out? You get some time to get out and and play at the park or stuff? Or? Yeah, I kind of just walked down uh, uh, Hate Street for a little while and uh, just kind of um, just checked out stores and whatever caught my eye. Yeah. You get in earlier? Got in last night. Um, one of us stayed in Berkeley with a friend, and uh, the rest of us stayed in St. Helena mm. uh, with another friend um, on a vineyard, which was quite the Got pleasure. to see the valley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got Did, to drink some good. And you pronounced it correctly, unlike myself, a local who said it was St. Helena. So St. Helena, very nice, refined. Thank you. Right. <laughs> and did you get to see, I mean, it's not a pride, a pride there or anything. You saw some of the devastation, uh, like some of the fires, because we had those fires in October. Right. We, we saw some of it on our way, actually, yeah. from Los Angeles. Right. Um, I haven't, I, I saw a lot of really supportive signs in, in Napa that were like, we support our firefighters, which was really heartwarming. But we didn't, I didn't see anything here in the valley. Yeah. yeah Just, it, it was burning like right behind my house. And so, like, I mean, for two days, I didn't, I mean, I was evacuated from my house. I didn't know if my house would be there when I got, when I got back, you know, sort of thing. I had to bike in to, to see if my house was still standing. And luckily it, it was, you know, I mean, wow. so wow. yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's scary. Glad to hear everything's all right on your end. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, playing a show uh, here at the independent and you guys are on tour with Jessica Leah Mayfield, right? Tell me about how this tour came about. Um, I guess it kind of came about, um, we're all from Nashville, or Jessica's not from Nashville, but she lives there now, and so kind of a part of the same music community, and Patrick, who plays with Jessica, has been good friends of ours, a good friend of ours recently, as of recent, and I think he kind of pitched our name, and, you know, we've been able to hang out as of recent, and we just vibe well together, so a tour made sense. So you you guys have been playing together, even though Sunseekers, you know, kind of a, a toddler at this point. You you guys have been playing together in different forms for for years, right? Since you were ten, in some cases. Tell me, tell me about how you guys met and um, and how you know you formed your your first bands. Um. Well, Ben and I uh, met in fifth grade when we were about thirteen or twelve. 12 something like that like and 10. yeah like 10, 10 i guess yeah that's more right and then we um yeah we we played in kind of it was 10 okay come yeah. on no. it's over it's over we played we played in kind of uh i don't know um little like garage punk type bands for for a minute there and then when we started when we got to high school i think it was probably around the time that we met alex who didn't go to high school with us but was kind of a mutual friend of a lot of people we knew and um, you, you guys can talk about your first band. Yeah, so Ben and I had started a band early high school, freshman year sort of time called Stripes, which was kind of like the earliest incarnation of Sunseeker in a way, as in they were kind of songs that I was working on, um, and Ben was just helping me out, and we put together this band of high school friends, and... Um, 
it wasn't very good, but it was really fun and uh kind of that kind of turned into Sunseeker eventually after I was writing new songs and Ben still wanted to help me out with those and it kind of turned into this recording project of ours and then eventually turned into this live band where we added Asher and um, another old friend and eventually after lots of keyboard different keyboard players um, met Rodrigo well had already met Rodrigo but Rodrigo started playing with us about a year ago, actually. Mm-hmm. It's his anniversary with us. Uh, happy oh, anniversary, Rodrigo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's an anniversary yeah. show tonight, right? Yeah. 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 Very happy to be here. So tell me about Fox Fun. Is that like a- yeah, that was uh, me, me and Ben's band that um, uh, played for a while, and Alex played guitar as well. And kind of operated at the same time as when Sunseeker was starting. And I guess that was kind of the vehicle for my songs. And, um, yeah, we have a record um, that'll probably be released under a different name at some point. I'm not completely sure yet, but but I'm working on it. Still making music with, with <laughs> yeah. Fox Fun, and it's kind of... A how, little bit. So how does that differ for, you know, for you? Like, is, I mean, you're the one who's uh, doing a lot of the writing, or...? yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of the main writer for that band, and I play guitar. And while while in this band, I play bass. So, it's kind of yeah, more the more yeah focused on my songwriting. Like I guess I'd say. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so how did uh, Third Man Records come about? Obviously, they're from Nashville as well. And so, did it just kind of click? You you guys didn't. They came yeah. to you, right? They'd seen you at a show, or yeah. Ben, do you want to take this one? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Third Man is super, uh, super supportive and present in the Nashville uh, kind of DIY scene. Um, and so, a lot of our friends actually work at Third Man, either in the store or in the warehouse. And we have a good friend, Josh Gillis, who put us on a show with Danny Croha, who is, uh, he was in the Gories, like a, a garage rock band. And uh, he he put out a solo record on Third Man. I don't know. Was this like three years ago? Maybe now or four years ago? Yeah, maybe three years ago. Three years ago, and um, and we opened for Danny Croha. And at that show, Ben Swank, who is one of the one of the head dudes over at Third Man, heard us and and just liked what he heard and kind of was like, "Hey, invite invite me out to the next show." And of course, we forgot to invite him out, and he just showed up, which was awesome. He invited himself. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And he uh, he came and was kind of just like approached us and said, "I want to do a seven inch with you guys." So that was um, it was super easy and very yeah, it was very fluid thing that happened. Any, any involvement from Jack White? Like, is he uh, Jack? It, yeah. Everything kind of comes across his desk, I think. But yeah. he wasn't. Um, I mean, he. He approved, I think, but he wasn't very. He wasn't involved. I mean, we we recorded it with a friend, and that was real. Third Man really just created the the product and uh, helped market it. Yeah. So talking about the product, tell me about your guys's debut EP and how you your approach to that came about. Yeah, um, debut EP. It's called Biddeford. Um, we actually recorded the EP with the same person, uh, Buddy Hewen, out of Nashville that we recorded our 
seven inch with that we released with um third man but those that group of songs are like kind of they're older they were like at a written at a like sort of like transitional period after high school and moving from that sort of uh I don't know. It's we were really young when we started writing all these songs. Yeah, so. we recorded basically a a full album's worth, um, and that the first um, two songs, seven inch, that we released was also from those sessions. But we basically just when Third Man was like, "We'll do an EP." We'll just we just threw a bunch of songs at them, and they 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 picked those ones, and um, and it kind of works out because for some reason they picked a lot of our older songs. Yeah. So that that kind of paves the way for us to uh, leave the newer ones for the full length we're going to start working on pretty soon. Is that already, so that's already a conversation you guys are ready for, you know, for that uh, full length to come around? Yeah, yeah I think sometime within the next few months we're going to try to start working on recording that. it, yeah. No, no real plan for it yet, but we have the songs and really excited to be able yeah. to record mm-hmm. them and share them with everybody for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does Third Man come involved? Like, are they? Is there any pressure from them to do the full length, or is the? I mean, are they just? No, the, us recording the the full length is under our own volition. You know, that's that's just something that mm-hmm. we want to do, and you know, if if it's like something Third Man wants from us, you know, or whoever, you know, we're just gonna go and record the album that that we want to record. So. There's there's definitely no pressure and and we're just gonna record these songs to the best of our ability I think yeah. is the plan. You have a you have a question? Yeah. All right, get to hold it. Um, well again, welcome to San Francisco. Welcome to the Bay Area. Thank you so much. <laughs> so um, I got the feeling this was your this is your first time here, it like is. ever or first time here performing. Uh, ever. For, for three all of us, us ever, right? I've, I've, yeah, I've performed and visited. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I've, I've never been here. Me neither. Mm, me neither. So tell us a little bit about the current tour. Uh, how long is it? What's the state number? Oh, man. States. Most of them. We at least yeah. passed through a lot of them, touring from Nashville to the West Coast and back to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little over three weeks, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I think 23 days is the exact number, if that's what you guys want. <laughs> we, need, we need exact we need facts exact here, right? Days. Okay, 23 <laughs> days. How many states? We're on state five right now. Yeah. If we you don't know. count Tennessee. Yeah. We we need to know how many hours? But we've seven. driven through... Hmm. Have we only driven through five states? I think so. California's yeah. a long state. So it is, I mean, it is. We've, we've been in California for a little while now. Yeah. But, uh, week, yeah. 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 But that's a great thing, and it's yeah. it's been really great. Um, it's really fun playing with Jessica every night, and I think our music really fits with hers. And yeah, I really love what uh, she's doing. Mm. So, yeah. so yeah, I think it's for us. I think you know we're having a great time. I can't speak for how Jessica thinks of the shows and if mm-hmm. we're good enough. But we definitely are over. We definitely are trying our best. Yeah. Right. You know. Right. Um, but so, yeah. what does it feel like? What's it, what, I mean, what's the general feeling, you know, among, among all you guys oh. uh, being on tour? I think we're all pretty, uh, pretty dedicated and just kind of task at hand oriented. So just, I mean, we, we're all friends first, but we, uh, we're just working hard and having fun, but, you know, getting it done. 
yeah. well, feelings. Mm-hmm. Drunk is a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Exhausted. Right. Sleepy. Yeah. Um, Hunger. Hunger. Uh, dirty. Dirty. <laughs> dirty. Yes. Longing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of dirty and hunger, you guys got a five hundred dollar gift card to Taco Bell. Yeah. You're actually the same. Yeah. Like, you guys have done the, your the, research. The band I interviewed like a couple weeks ago actually had the same thing. They got the five hundred dollar gift card. To How does that happen? Like it's it, it, feed the beat. Yeah. 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 Feed the beat program. Let's plug this real quick. Yeah. We might get yeah. another. Uh, endorsement from Taco Bell. That's dangerous. <laughs> actually, How quickly did this gift card use? Was this like a night, a fun well, night, or no? It was actually one hundred five dollar gift cards. Oh, okay. So we had this box oh full God. of gift cards, and you know we had gotten them, saw the magnitude of these gift cards. We're like, these are going to last for the rest of our lives. Yeah. We're going to <laughs> no, never, we're never no. going to be starving. <laughs> and then pretty much after one tour and. Uh-huh not having any money in Nashville, or at least for me, I would take some for Nashville because I'd get home from tour and wouldn't have any money, so you'd just go eat a taco. A glove box, box full of yeah. cards. <laughs> <laughs> so they are actually gone gone pretty quickly. So They were gone before I joined the band. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you didn't get to partake. Huh? You're like, hey, uh, this yeah. is a story for hey, you. Hey, not cool. Yeah. I, might, I might have a couple like under the seat in my car. <laughs> 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 Keep Throw them out at shows. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if anybody from Taco Bell hears this interview, we love your food. And we still eat there pretty regularly. Not just <laughs> we cars. Yeah, right. even, even with our own hard-earned money, we will pay for Taco Bell's food. Yeah. Their contribution has made you guys fans of their food. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes. Lifelong yeah. fans of Taco Bell. <laughs> Was there a catch to this? I mean, were you no. responsible for We all have to wear their colors. Yeah. Yeah, shows and playing and eating a taco. Yeah, yes. I have to eat at least three burritos every set on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got to hand it hand it to them. It's pretty smart marketing. Yeah, yeah, going towards uh, indie bands. Right, that they know have no money. So right. well, we were watching your video. You know, uh, keep me up at night earlier, yeah. and we just yeah. saw these little hints of Taco Bell everywhere. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of subliminal messaging. Yeah, right, 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 right. Sledgehammer goes into the wall. Right, these Taco Bell rappers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was all planned. Yeah. Tell us about that video. How'd that come about? That looked like a lot of fun. Uh, oh man, that was. Um, the the brainchild of the director James Cathcart, um, and basically, it was basically just like a bunch of friends and a bunch of not friends, uh, just people, random people showed up, and because they knew there would be sledgehammers and hammers, regular hammers, yeah. <laughs> um, and those sort of things. So there was just like it was just really fun. It, um, there wasn't much direction i mean james had a vision obviously yeah. and had like us do a few things preemptively because he knew once everybody got there it'd be a shit show um or an s show uh, I don't, you're I don't, good. You shit yeah okay <laughs> shit show <laughs> um but he yeah so we had done a bit of taping before everybody showed up and then we had a bunch of free beer and like a keg and Hot and right. ready pizzas from Little Caesars. Yeah. And everybody just kind of got really drunk and, and hit hit a house with hammers. And brought a motorcycle really, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Toss, yeah toss right. right. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was Forgot about the, the motorcycle. Yeah, the whole house just 
filled with fumes and of had course, to be evacuated. Of course they did it in the middle of the party. Like, like we had not gotten all the shots, but yeah. they were like, oh, let's just get the motorcycle shot out of the way. And they did it, and then, like, everyone just left the house. Yeah. Like, I couldn't even full breathe. Smoke. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. breathe. Yeah, was, like, this exhausting. is a fun idea, but we don't need to shoot chronologically. Fight them for their lives. I don't think we were expecting it to get so toxic in there. Yeah. But it was good. It was just a really uh, exhausting but fun day. We got to tear down a house in a really nice neighborhood yeah, in yeah, Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was that house kind of like, I mean, was the idea that it should be demoed anyway? or? Well, it was, like in real life, not in the music video life. Um, well, I guess in both yeah. the music video. It's going to be demoed in, anyway. It's supposed to be my childhood home, so it's like this last rager. Mm-hmm. Although I've never really been a part of a rager before. Right. <laughs> according to this video, that's what they're like. Um, but also, yeah, that house was scheduled for demolition in Nashville, and the owner was just like, yeah, do whatever you want. It that's just cool. helps us anyway. So it's kind of a party video, but also kind of a... Uh, statement about gentrification. So yeah. there you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. My favorite scene was the bottle going uh, going against the mirror. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that, that was, was awesome. that that's... shot back though. Did it hit? Yeah, it almost hit her. Oh no. Yeah, but that's also one of my favorite shots from that yeah. video. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sweet. Shout out to Natasha. If you ever hear this, that's a friend of ours. <laughs> <laughs> she threw the bottle. She did a great job. So on on the album, um, Buddy, uh, Helen, like, how did you match up with with Buddy? You said you'd worked with him before, and like, how did that decision come about for you? Yeah, Buddy, Buddy used to actually work um, at this venue in Nashville called the Stone Fox, which is closed now. Um, but the Stone Fox was where Sunseeker. I mean, we played our first show there, and then yeah. kind of played there all the time. And Buddy offered to help us record whenever. And so we just started working with him, um, and he's just like he's decked out his whole house. It's, it's all wired, and you basically can record in every single room. Um, so it's just like mm-hmm. really easy starting with that, and easy to work with him. Excellent. And um, and so a couple of you work at a record store, is or is that still or? I work. Yeah, I worked at a record store back home called Grimey's. And they give you pretty good leniency to kind of get out and go on tour and stuff. Yes. And, yeah. uh, I would like to give a shout out to Grimey's for um, yeah, they're being very accommodating. Nice. In my crazy schedule. Yeah. Oh, they're they're gosh, the best. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. E- excellent. So, um, so as we kind of wind down here, uh, you guys have a tour coming up in March as well, right? You're going you're gonna to be touring with um, uh, Liza. Um, Liza Ann. Liza Ann, right, right, right. She, she's incredible. Um, she played our release show in Nashville back in July for this EP and have since, since then become really close with her and huge fans of her music. So yeah. this run with her down to South by is something I think all of us are really excited for. It's a dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. really, really great fit. She has a new record about to come out that I think will be really cool. So yeah. we're excited about that. Everybody yeah. should check it out. Everybody check out Liza Ann. Shout out to Liza Ann. You're the best. <laughs> and we all love you. <laughs> and so growing up in, in Nashville um, and and playing music, I mean, you guys are, I'd say, kind of don't fit the mold of a lot of Nashville bands. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot of country-esque music coming mm-hmm. from Nashville. Tell me yeah. how, how you went the direction that you guys did. Uh, I think it's... It, it's not like a 
forced direction or anything we really had like in mind um as like a songwriter i don't i have like a lot of different uh influences and everybody else has a bunch of different influences and they all kind of come together and whatever happens with that is like this natural product and we try to and i think we're pretty genuine with how we approach songwriting and uh, like bringing together all the songs so it's just i don't know like if it fits the mold or not for nashville there is a lot of stuff other than country in nashville and i think a lot of people are getting more recognition there which i think is well deserved um but yeah i think i don't really know there's yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys haven't thinking about it yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. i don't think any of us really think about it that yeah. way mm-hmm. i think we it's not yeah it's just not something we think but, about. Yeah, we all I mean, like a lot of different kinds of music and like alex said the intersection of his songwriting and our musical um, whatever perspectives make the band what it is. Yeah, I always think it's a good it's a good sign when um, people ask you what um, kind of music you play and you like don't know how to respond. Yeah, like, yeah. like what do you call? You don't this? fit into yeah. one box exactly, exactly. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. Hopefully, that translates to some kind of originality. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Well, the band is Sunseeker, and uh, Alex Ben, Rodrigo, Asher, thank you guys for taking the time today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. All right, that was the interview with Sunseeker uh, here on Concert Pipeline. Jens, it's time for your favorite segment. What is it? It's music news. That's right. We each have a couple of stories here to to hit uh, as we wind out the podcast here. Uh, my first is uh, about Tool. Okay, uh, we've All talked right. we've talked about this story a little bit. I think over the past couple of months, there's been some rumblings. We've talked about Tool. I think a little bit, not not a lot, but I think we've hit it a little bit. Um, like and slightly, a smidgen. A smidgen. Well, we're going to hit it a little bit more here t- today on this episode of Concert Pipeline. Um, Tool frontman Maynard James Keegan has some bad news via social media for fans hoping that the band's long-awaited new album would finally be released this summer. Uh, he made the point very clear in response to a fan claiming on Twitter that Tool was set to make a full-length comeback this summer, citing recent revelations from various band members. Revelations, I said? It's revelations is the word. Uh, that was a Jens move right there. Yeah, I feel like I just listened to myself do that. <laughs> uh, his, what he said is, not, period, coming out this summer, period, not. <laughs> uh, and so, coming out of what? Uh, the, the album. As opposed there, to just coming out. He says it's not coming out this summer. Ah, uh, I see. His, his album is not coming out this summer. Uh, tool guitarist Adam Jones shared that the music was done, while Rage Against the Machine's Tom Morello revealed that he'd heard those instrumentals, calling them epic and brutal. Um, and uh, the exchange followed Keegan correcting another fan about a new Tool and Perfect Circle releases allegedly coming soon, uh, but only said a new APC Keenan uh, posted. So... It's not happening this summer. Maybe later in the year, we'll uh, we'll see if there's any new releases from Tool. All right, Tool. So, did you know 
that Leonard Skinner has a farewell tour? I mean, it's probably going to be one of these like forever. I mean, t- uh, tours, right? Where there's it's a big cash grab and there's lots and of money. And it takes like years. And, yeah, because it's it's uh, it's hard to say goodbye, right? It is hard to say goodbye. It's hard to throw in that towel. And when you do, if you're a band, especially a classic rock band that's been around for forty plus years, you're you're gonna want to make hit every nook and cranny and make sure everybody who ever wanted to see you or didn't uh, is going to see you right right yeah and that's like you know every nook and cranny go around the world a couple of times draw it out for a couple of years right talking about drawing it out so uh leonard skinnard has plans apparently to extend their farewell tour color me shocked yes let's talk about this so uh leonard skinnard guitarist gary Rossington says that the legendary Southern rock band have plans to extend their recently announced farewell tour beyond its initial four month run. Four okay. months is not enough to cover the whole world yet. Right, okay. exactly. That's not even enough to cover it's really anything. Barely scratching the surface. You can barely get out of the Bay Area in four yeah. months. In four months. Right. With all the traffic. Right. Uh, four months? Like, what were they even thinking? I, I mean, know. come on. This has got to be at least a year. Got to be realistic here. All right. Even Justin Bieber does more than that. Maybe. Right. Okay, so this farewell tour will take a year or two. There we go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now this is more realistic time frame. Year two, 10, 20, whatever. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. We'll we just another keep 40. it labeled as the farewell tour, right? Because that's where the money is. Yeah, yeah. Farewell and reunion shows. Like yeah. the, those, are the, those are the big cash. And shows. you can, you know, you only have to print one shirt, the farewell uh-huh. tour shirt, and you can use it, you yeah. know, for, for the years to come as right. you're still touring. Right. Yeah, you're not going to put all the dates for two years on a t- on the back of a T-shirt. Right. Okay. Anyway, so they're saying a year or two to go all the places uh, we've been and play them one more time. So it's not like we're going away. Playing all the places we've been. <laughs> Let me repeat. <laughs> and that. haven't been. Iceland. All we're coming places. for you. Yes. Antarctica. Here we come. Greenland. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Um, all right. So that's what he told Billboard. Um, oh. We're just winding down a little bit. That's a, that's a wind down if uh, ever there was one. A really long wind down. We'll be doing this a while longer. Well, apparently, you know, a year or two longer. And I wouldn't be surprised if it extends beyond that. Yeah. Understatement of the year. Yeah. So the Southern Rock Icons will launch the farewell trek in West Palm Beach, Florida on May 4th with its first leg scheduled to wrap up to wrap up in Atlanta, Georgia on September the 1st. The run will include European dates as well as... So it's going to end a state away from where it starts. They're going to do a full-on loop through the country and end up in Georgia, right above Florida. Is that how you read that? that, I mean, that's what I'm... That's what you heard? I I just read it as, okay, they've got their Leonard Skinner tour bus. They start in Florida and they stop in Georgia. They just go straight from Florida to Georgia over the course and, of and for four months, four months and they hit every little town you know between that, that's how I read it okay so I don't that, know how Europe got in there so that's a leg right there yeah yeah anyway so Leonard Skinner uh, will be joined by a variety of guests at various stops along the way including Kid Rock Hank Williams Jr. Charlie Daniels Band Bad Company Marshall Tucker Band 38 Special Blackberry, Smoke, and Blackfoot. Lots of special guests. Lots of special guests. Well, like that's it. that's cool. I like it. That's good. Okay. The sole remaining original member of the group, um, 
Rosington hints that farewell may not necessarily mean the end. Oh, good. Of Skinner's life. <laughs> Why would it? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's already making signs that it's not right. But, but for ticket, you know, ticket purposes, it will. <laughs> <laughs> it will. All right. So he says, um, I know we're, uh, <laughs> I know we're going to take some time off after this farewell tour. Um, that's all planned. And then who knows? Even like the Eagles, and a lot of people retire, you know, after a year or two, and they have to come back, it's just in your blood, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if it's ever really going to end, but this is a plant to start to. It's a, if there's a dollar to be made, it will not end. Yeah. I don't think I impersonated him very well. No, probably not. That was awful. Yeah. I'm certain, I'm sure nobody just heard that in his voice. They were like, what are you doing, dude? Anyway, so they're going to take some time off of their farewell tour, and maybe they'll have another farewell tour after that. We'll have to see. Maybe they'll have a, hey, we're back tour before the farewell tour even stops. (laughs) We'll see. So... All right. The Grammys were this uh, past weekend, Jens, and we'd be fools if we didn't talk about it briefly, at least. Yeah. Um, Let's just uh, briefly discuss that. So, uh, big winner, Bruno Mars. He won, like, six Grammys. Great, you know. um, And... Uh, so that's Bruno. He's playing Bottle Rock. You can see him when he comes to, to Napa playing Bottle Rock. Do you think he's going to bring all his trophies and stuff? Right. He'll just have the Grammys all up on stage. He'll throw them out into the crowd. He has so many, you know, yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but a uh, uh, story I want to hit on is uh, about a band that didn't go to the Grammys, um, and that is Avenged Sevenfold. They skipped the Grammys over rock snubbing. Um, Grammys were not kind to rock, the rock and metal categories this year. It's all pop and R and B and uh, and all of that, uh, and you know, rap, all of that stuff, right? Um, all the awards in these categories were relegated to the pre-telecast section of the award ceremony that took place the afternoon before the main event. Uh, winners included the late Leonard Cohen for Best Rock Performance, Mastodon, Best Metal Performance, Foo Fighters, Best Rock Song, um, and w- the War on Drugs for Best Rock Album. The National also won for Best Alternative Music Album. So Hard Rock Metal Act Avenged Sevenfold were also nominated this year with their song The Stage, um, getting a nod for best rock song. However, uh, the band decided not to attend the ceremony owing to uh, 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 to their category's exclusion from the main event. Uh, lead singer M. Shadows texted radio DJ Eddie Trunk, telling him that the band's decision to uh, to not travel to New York, uh, which was it was the first time it was in New York for like, in like 15 years, uh, was not really a protest per se, but more of a financial consideration given the costs in, involved. So, you know. It's, they'd be uh, flying there on their own dime. They're probably on a tour on the other side of the coast. They're like, well, you know, is it worth it? It's not even going to be on TV. We're not, you know, there's not going to be any recognition there. Nah, fuck it. So um, the, uh, the Grammys need to pay mind to rock artists and, and give them um, their, their, uh, the recognition they deserve. All right. Yes. All right. You have... Uh, I got another uh, tour announcement. Hit us. Alice in Chains, remember them? I do, yes. Kick-ass band, Alice in Chains. They have announced a series of summer 2018 headlining European tour dates they'll be doing in addition to their previously confirmed festival performances. Okay, they're playing Europe. Yeah. 
okay. So in case you guys happen to be uh, in Europe, uh, this is where you can see them. Uh, they're making stops in Sweden, ah. in Italy, in Austria, Hungary, and Germany with tickets on sale now. Uh, the Seattle outfit will open the four-week run in Stockholm on June the 20th. Okay. And they'll wrap stuff up July the 14th in Lisbon. So, um, Alice in Chains, they, they, uh, that's one of those bands, for some reason, I never had a chance to see. Nope. Wish I had, uh, wish Pro I had seen Probably them. not going to, I mean, though you go to Europe a lot, maybe you'll just, uh, happen to be there when they're there. Maybe. Somewhere. I'll have to look out for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, hold on. Let's uh, take a look at their U.S. dates real quick here. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to look real quickly if they're going to be in the Bay Area. Um, I don't know. Where the hell is there? Yeah, I mean, these are the dates North right America there. So tour. Sweden and France, and I don't see any U.S. I know. dates I'm there. I'm looking so. for U.S. Or is there U.S. shit? Okay. Here we go. What? Nope. No Nothing US's. West Coast? No, nothing. There, no yeah. U.S. No West, not even Seattle. Nope, getting snubbed. Getting snubbed. What the fuck, so, guys. Fuck Alice in Chains. They're not coming here. Forget Screw it. Screw you. We'll carry on. I got Whatever. one more story here before we wind out the podcast, Jens. Um, and that is that the classic Misfits lineup has announced a historic show. Um, Ooh. So since the reunion of their classic lineup in late 2016, featuring founders Glenn Danzig and bassist Jerry Only, along with veteran guitarist Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein, horror punk pioneers Misfits have played a total of four shows, two in Denver, one in Las Vegas, and one in Inglewood, California. And so it's now time for them to return to their home turf in New Jersey, and they've just announced an original Misfits show on May 19th in Newark. Um, uh, build is the triumphant return to where it all began. It'll uh, be the first Misfits East Coast show to feature their classic lineup since 1983 uh, at the Channel Club in Boston. In fact, the last time this lineup played in New Jersey was 1982. Uh, so the new show, which will also feature ex-Layer drummer Dave Lombardo on drums and touring guitarist A.C. Slade, also includes suicidal tendencies on the bill. So if you want to see that the classic Misfits lineup, head to Jersey. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I, I do this story because it's a segue for me to just go into nostalgia of past interviews when I interviewed Glenn Danzig. Uh, That's right. Right. I told you about this one before. Yeah, it was yeah. a while back. Yeah, years in, you know, ago, about 12, probably 12 or 13 years ago at this point. And it was like 1.30 in the morning. I was exhausted and uh, and I interviewed him on his tour bus and uh, talked about the misfits uh, going on without him. And well, I, I can't really hold my own in a misfits conversation with Danzig. I'm not that big of a fan, <laughs> you know, but right. he... He denied it. He said they didn't go on without him, and I'll just say the interview didn't go up from there. So yeah. Oh, well. He, he called me dumb, and, uh, uh, you know, and he's a small guy. I'm taller than him, but but he's got some muscle on him, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm on his tour bus, on his turf, you uh, right. know, and, you know, not the guy you want to piss off, really. You don't want to take right? on dancing so, in his tour bus. No, no, probably not, and probably wasn't a good idea, so uh, dug that hole and, <laughs> and got into it, and so Dang. He's, uh, it looks like they've, you know, reunited a bit and playing some shows, and maybe they'll come out west at some point uh, again. So, All right. Yeah. Well, Jens, this is a good podcast. 
Yeah, it's amazing. We're still yes. in the car. We are. We are. So. And a little update. I hope there has been no ruffling. No ruffling. I don't You've think been there's r- been any ruffle ruffling. Free. Ruffle free. R- r- can I even yes. talk? R- Russell ruffle. Ruffle free. Yes. This is a ruffle free zone. And also a rustle free zone. No rustle. No rustle. No rustle. And no parking Nazis of any kind. Yes. Um, Maybe the technology is there, but the, you know, actual parking people and their little cars are not here. No. So hopefully um, we, we should be good. To go. We should be good. We won't get some crazy ticket for hundred bucks. I like it. We're going to play us out with one more song from Sunseeker from their show at the Independent in San Francisco. This is Sunny Day Girls. Well, Jens, for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that's Jens Schiphol. And that is Steve Jones. We will catch you next time.
Señor.